0: Welcome to B2B Impact by BDB. Join me, Matt Smith, CEO of BDB and Oliver Breewood, BDB's Head of Digital and Technology, as we get together to discuss the myriad of trends, topics, opportunities and developments in the world of B2B marketing and communications. Our aim is to arm you with content, opinions and insights that deliver lasting and meaningful impact across the B2B community, helping the global businesses and brands we partner with navigate their way through the information and communication revolution. Are you ready to make an impact? Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of B2B Impact, where we're going to be discussing all things change management. So it's a very broad topic um, and obviously can apply across not only the world of marketing and communications, but also the wilder world of work and uh, running your teams and developing your uh, businesses as well as well as the wider world, which is seeing quite a lot of change at the minute. Yeah, certainly is. For sure, and I think it's actually interesting even when you run the parallel of what's going on in the the wider world, if I can say that word out loud, um, at the minute, and try to overlay that with some of the tips and advice that we'll probably no doubt run through today. A lot of the change management, the disruption, comes from people not being clear on why you're doing something in the first place, potentially. Um, and obviously uh, changes in directions and decisions that you've communicated to somebody sometimes have to change throughout the process so yeah. do you want to kick us off Ollie in terms of change management you've been able to be part of BDB previous businesses before you've seen lots of things that we've uh, developed and uh, implemented <coughs> ourselves over the years but
1: yeah so I think first of all I think I guess the reason why we thought it'd be an interesting topic is just because it is so relevant there is um, a lot that, that um, kind of is encompassed within it and it's something that we struggle with and every business on the planet, I think would would say they struggle with it to a degree or another at a time or another, depending how much change they're trying to go through, how necessary the change is. Mm-hmm. And what's the driving factor of that change? So um, I suppose we've had it from internally from from um, recently. We've we've changed multiple software suites and implemented different tools. Um, there's changes in in company structure due to the nature of being a growing business mm-hmm. that that necessitates some some level of change as well within our <clears throat> clients. You'll see. Um, that they need to change the way they approach things that yeah. they're they're struggling to have people um, get on board with it whether that's because there's been a large organizational change such as an, an acquisition or whether they just need to to get teams to do things in a different way that works better for the business mm-hmm. um, but like you say it's not easy and I think I think the way you've you summarized it there that I think at the the root cause I, I guess a lot of the issues probably do come down to the fact that um, people don't necessarily know why you're making the change or or potentially they know why you're making a change but they don't agree with the way of you're solving it which i guess is more is what happens with politics i think a lot of i think
0: yeah (laughs) definitely politics but i think a lot of it can be it comes down to the way you communicate that change uh, both before during and post implementation of, of of said change which is why it's very relevant to what we do, I guess, in terms of communicating with your teams and your stakeholder groups. Now, change management's typically pretty easy when you're talking to a sole trader, an owner-managed business, an entrepreneur, because you're the guy making the deci- guy yeah. or and uh, making the decisions. You're the person who's in charge of most aspects of that business. So as you said, as you grow out, that, the functions and you get bigger, as we've seen scale in our own business now. Uh, change management's even more uh, complicated. And do you think that's... Primarily due to the increased number of stakeholders you're trying to deal with as well. Because there isn't always, even when we talk about you can fix it with deft communication and planning. You've also got multiple stakeholders, multiple personality traits, multiple preferences in communication styles to consider along the way. And
1: likelihood, and it certainly is the case for us, but with that increased organisation size comes distance from those people yourself so for example you know you might end up two or three levels removed from a person that you need to start doing something differently yeah and therefore you don't have the insight into why they're not doing it you might therefore be trying to implement something that doesn't work for the way their mm-hmm. their, their workflow works or whatever it is you're trying to change
0: i also think there's a strong link here to the internal comm side of things as well probably because if you are two or three times removed from direct contact with the said stakeholder you're trying to communicate to about some form of change you need to drive into your business, things can quite often get lost in translation or Chinese whispers or diluted down is the one that I always see. So it's more probably because I'm a bit blunter, but you you say things and you want it to have that impact, but if it's not not dressed up in that way or it's communicated in such a such a manner either in a
1: written form or whatever it may be maybe it loses that impact with the individual yeah. you're trying to actually get through to or those. you might find that the specific action is what's communicated yeah. not the reasoning behind it so we might say hey we need to start saving these things here because of this reason it'll help solve a lot of the problems it'll help with this it'll help with that and then i guess as you go further and further down it you might might find depending on the situation that all that gets communicated is save those files there
0: how much planning do you think Businesses either that you've engaged with, or worked with, or worked for potentially, how much time do they put into planning
1: change management properly? I suppose with the nature of uh, the type of businesses that I've worked with, and the type of change we've been talking about, where it's not, certainly when we talk about um, the kind of client change we've been talking about, and even our internal change, I'd say for the most part it's not huge. Mm -hmm. We're not changing a business model, or changing something really fundamental. Where,
0: quite often we do. Quite often in our, in our world, though, we do change. Even if it's roles, responsibilities, job titles, structures, departments, teams. There's quite a lot of stuff. I think when you get into change management, that
1: true. Yeah. But I'd say with some of those things that you you kind of almost evolved into it. So you haven't yeah. sat down and said, "Hey, we need to yeah, grow a sure. digital team." For example, our digital team has grown out of growing client necessity industry changes and kind of organic growth over the last seven yep. or eight years yeah um, whereas I suppose what what we're thinking about here is something more where we sit down and said hey we need to make this strategic change because that's going to be better for the business for some reason um, well, we see
0: it quite often with brand names sub brands products you know at varying levels within different entities that we work with because mm. I think that can that can quite often uh, provoke a little bit of a emotional response to things sometimes, if it's a product or a brand that you've uh, worked with for a long time, as you say, particularly if you're acquired potentially, and then suddenly that all disappears and you've got this new name above the door. Yeah. Um, and if that's not communicated well, um, again,
1: yeah. So, I, I suppose to some extent, to answer your question, it's almost working on assumption for myself, because I, I can't say a bit inside the client in some of those decisions, mm-hmm. whether it is an acquisition that's going to be happening above the marketing context, it's going to be more dictated down to them. So, mm-hmm. I would assume in the case of an acquisition, there's been a huge consideration put into change management, because it is a big change, yeah. whether you're a huge company that's acquired a small company, that small company is undergoing a huge change. Yeah or it's more even-sized uh, merger, for example, it's still a big, big organizational change. Mm-hmm. I suppose when we're talking about um, something at the, I won't give an example, but at the smaller end, it probably requires less planning, yep. but probably still in many cases more planning than has it actually been putting into it. Because yep. Yep. I think you can realize, just as a simple example, where we've rolled out new software in the last sort of six months mm-hmm. uh, to the team members, in hindsight, it's easy to sit down and go, Oh, yeah, well, that's really obvious. Why didn't we put together that guide from the beginning? And if we'd had that in, the, in place from the beginning, then it would have potentially made people's lives easier. I think quite often it's just the pace the pace of change, and particularly in, in the industry that we work within, the pace of change
0: is so fast that almost if you're not, if you're not reactive enough and being seen to, to lead your clients or lead your contacts um, through the continued evolution, mm. if you spent six months planning it and, and Kanban in it and, and and get pulling it all together into a lovely structure. You're probably too late. Which yeah, it's my take on it, and that might be more the entrepreneurial mindset of wanting to be at the cutting. You want you want to be right yeah. at the edge with it. Which all I think the is
1: probably at least the way my thought um, goes. I'm sure an expert in change management could disagree with us, but my, I I would say that you need to put the um, put the right level of planning in for the actual size of the task that you're trying to do and how and how fast it needs to be. Like you say, if you if you've got an urgent issue happening right now. Um, a quality control issue for example um, if you don't implement changes right now and you sit for six months planning through how you can how you can approach this better in the future what institutional changes need to happen to make that work six months down the line you might not have any customers left that actually want to buy your product in the first place
0: mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely and I guess I guess linked to that then is heavily planning the team the time and the resource that you invest into that change management because mm-hmm. Certainly, for a company of our size, as we've evolved and and, and grown up, should we say, over recent years, um, it it can feel a bit more reactive sometimes, or maybe or maybe we've been overly ambitious or unrealistic. You know, when you look back on things, sometimes of how much time we need to dedicate mm-hmm. to something, particularly if you're in a client-facing role as well, um, the client work will always come first, yeah, yeah. often to the neglect of your own business. And obviously, we've evolved now, and we've got. Like uh, people like yourself in ops roles, and we've got um, different people with different functions across the business, which is kind of that natural state of growing up. But looking back on some things that we have implemented, and some changes we've made, yeah, um, I think we
1: were we un- underestimated significantly sometimes how long something would take. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and there's so many reasons to do that sort of thing as well. If you if you think about. Um, Deploying a piece of software. So we've we've deployed multiple pieces of software, but so we don't talk about us uh, too much. We could use the example of like marketing automation software, which Absolutely. many of our clients will be using, a Marketo or Pardot or things like that. Realistically, if you don't want to just use them like you're using Mailchimp or another email service provider, they require a lot more thought. Yep. A lot more uh, resources. Yeah. Um, more commitment to do it internally, more linking in with the sales team. So if you don't actually plan out how you're going to do it and, and realistically do you have those resources in place before you've acquired the software, you'll probably find that you're spending twenty, thirty thousand plus 30,000 plus euros, dollars, whatever currency mm-hmm. um, per annum just to to use some software the same way you could have spent uh, 2,000 on MailChimp.
0: Yep. And, and do you think... In that kind of situation where you have got such a a critical change to kind of the tech stack or the development, that somebody should have the dedicated kind of driver role in that seat? I think
1: we've seen this ourselves for certain, which is that if you don't have somebody that's got a a fair amount of dedicated time, whether that's their dedicated role or whether that's time that you've managed to safeguard, which is definitely a challenge in in and of itself, um, then you're really going to struggle because other work is going to take precedent. Um, It's that whole, um, what is it, the Eisenhower matrix, if anybody's uh, familiar with it. If not, feel free to look it up. But it's basically dividing the tasks that you have to do in in terms of uh, their importance versus, I think it's how uh, critical or yeah. urgent they are, so importance versus urgency, yeah. so you end up with the, not really that like important in the grand scheme of things, but very very urgent in order to actually you know, uh, the fact that you know you might have an exhibition stand, so you need your email to go out about it it's not that important yeah. but it's incredibly urgent because your exhibition so next critical, week, yeah. Yeah. so you, you'll end up focusing on those activities and I think that's where if you don't have um, your, your dedicated time, you're not going to get round to, to working on the thing that's going to be really important for the future because all that activity is generally going to fall into very high importance but in terms of uh, urgency there's not really any time pressure often to deliver it other than generally we want to deliver this in three six months so that it's better and moving on to my favorite part of change management
0: dealing with like resistance struggles opinions there's obviously many opinions and certainly in growing teams and, and growing businesses that we deal with with, with huge global teams and um, it's an, do you think it's an inevitable outcome with change that you're always going to face that some element of negativity and resistance
1: probably being the right word? I think so, to a degree. You're, going to, you're bound to encounter um, one type of resistance or another. We're creatures of habit and we know what we know and we have our insight. And I'm not saying that you'll always get the same type of resistance, but as a very simple one, um, if you're used to doing things one way and somebody says, hey, now every time you save that file, we also need you to go over there and tick that box. Yeah especially if you don't know why it's important to go over there and tick that box, you'll probably just keep doing what you've always done. And maybe at the beginning, yeah. you'll remember to do that thing now and again, but without something consistent and, and um, pressured, you might never actually get round to ticking that box. I think
0: the consistency points element, and that comes back to the communications, the planning again, because you hear it quite often in businesses that we deal with in our own business again. Oh, we've told them that. We've told them that. And you like, you told them two months ago during, yeah. during the, 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 you know, the, the entry point to the project. Now that now they're in and, the throes of doing it, you know. And so. if you tell
1: them two months ago, that's when they'll be really good for a week. Yeah, um, they'll they'll go in there, they'll file it, and they'll tick the box. Yeah, then they'll forget. So I guess what I'm in in those situations, it'd be good to have that regular reminder. This is how we need to do it. This is why it's important. This is how we need to do it. This is why it's important. Until that becomes a habit, it's all about I, habit I, for I, me I, in that I sort also, of situation. I also,
0: think ranking the level of importance of things comes into play here as well, like you say. So, whenever we do anything internally here. Um, I actually do it physically quite often, thinking about the different stakeholders we've got and the the resistance or objections they'll have to some kind of change that we're looking to implement. It, whether it's a new system, a new hire, uh, a new process, whatever it may be. Um, and I almost map that out in a way to work out what the resistance will be, what the objections are, and what the what the appropriate response is for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have
1: them kind of up my sleeve almost as FAQs at the time, but then. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's a good get... approach it also helps you challenge your own ideas yeah. to make sure that it makes sense because if you come up with a challenge we should never be closed off to somebody else's opinion mm-hmm. if we're trying to implement a system and, and we want to yeah, have that box ticked and somebody says hang on a second that really doesn't make sense or that's only going to work 20% of the time it would be stupid of us to say hey we're still going to do that uh, we uh, need to make sure we're taking on board that feedback even if it Ideally it won't come late, but even if it comes late, you need to be able to adapt to that sort of information.
0: Somebody could can always come up with something you've not thought of, but I think you can can cover up probably 90% of stuff by thinking in advance like that and doing that exercise. But I also think looping back to something you said earlier in, in relation to not selling in, that's probably the wrong phrase, but communicating the benefit to the individual or the benefit to the business. I think quite often when you see in B2B, a lot of people will communicate on why we need to do this for the business. There's, there's normally inherently a reason why it should benefit the individual or why, you, why you, you know, whether it's your customers or weaving it
1: straight back up the value chain in a way. I think I have a good example for that <coughs> um, from, a, from the sales field. So where you've got something like Salesforce uh, being implemented. I'll mm-hmm. say very anecdotally, I have not been in sales and I've never really had to use a CRM day in, day out. But I understand that getting the sales staff to actually Engage be really with engaged it. with and want to use the CRM is challenging yeah. Because a lot of the benefits, not all of them, but I'd say a lot of the benefits are really to the company mm-hmm. If you leave the company, they have a full record of all your contact with, yep. with a given uh, client's prospect um, If you, um, yeah, all of that therefore lives in that one system and, and it means that they can keep track of things, they can help forecast when these deals are going to come in They yep. can forecast the size of the deals, all because it lives at one place It didn't, it it still works technically when salespeople had Rolodexes. Um, I suppose there's other advantages that I won't go into into why having all on a CRM is great, but a lot of it is to do with helping the company do better, helping the marketing function do better, and so on and so forth, and not as much about what the salesperson wants. Which is where, I know when we've spoken to Showpad, which if anybody isn't familiar with it, is a sales enablement platform. Mm that's more focused on making the seller's life easier. It isn't about capturing the data or asking them to type information in. It's about making sure they've got access to all the right information, all the right training, in a really well-structured and user-friendly way. And therefore, what I understand there is that the adoption rates versus a CRM is significantly better because they don't have to do as much persuading because as soon as somebody starts using it they instantly love it and get the benefits i'm sure not everybody but it's it's got a much higher uptake rate Mm -hmm. because it is giving that person that salesperson the benefits not just the company not just the company side of things yeah
0: for sure i think in terms of the next point I, i wrote down was celebrate wins which can sound a bit cheesy and a bit american but in the sense of you run that much change in a business, or I feel like there's that much change in a, in a business of our size. So let alone, a, you know, a larger business. But um, celebrating the successes when you have done something well when it comes to change management, whether it's completion of that new system implementation or, I don't know, I think about we, we overhauled our entire system, which fundamentally could have impacted everything up until recently by that. I mean, it was quite a dramatic change what we put in here to enhance our... Uh, reporting and our capacity planning and so on, but even you know getting the invoices out the door that next month was quite a big deal, yeah. uh, and we did it, and you know there was no real acknowledgement of that. there was no real pats on the back for anybody who'd been involved in it because you were straight onto the next project yeah. or straight onto the next um area of importance that you need to adapt or evolve and I, I do think taking time, despite how busy everybody is to actually acknowledge how well, how hard it is and secondly when you've done something well, mm-hmm. and again, can pay dividends with the team and certainly the individuals that have yeah. uh, contributed to it. But I think we we can fall foul of that sometimes as well.
1: I think that also raises a good point, which is, uh, I think I don't know if for sure if this will always be applicable, but breaking it down into more sizable tasks. It's not start to finish, can we implement this system or can we get this entire process working differently? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of steps along the way. so. Uh, in our case with new software it could be hey we've got these uh two clients set up on the new software and because of that it's running excellently or we have a new client on that dashboard and that's set up excellently Mm -hmm. so we might not have every client along the way on on that platform whatever it is yet but um the the steps we've taken um show that it You know it works that the that limited size project that took a month um, was successful let's worry about getting it to everybody else after after that which is i think similar to the point there around having like making sure that the next month those buildings go out so it's breaking down into smaller tasks and then actually make sure that you're celebrating those tasks
0: i think yeah once 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 the change has been implemented in terms of the you know it's something that's bedded in I think i think i do think collecting that feedback and continuing to monitor the results is important and communicating that with the team in terms of the efficiencies gained or how m- how many less hours you seem to be working because you've got a new system in play, whatever mm. it may be or how much easier you've made that task for the individual because mm. again i think you can lose sight of those really impactful results on the business because again you've, you've switched and you've moved on to the next thing and you're assuming it's all working better um but again you need the right team and depth of resolve to do that Yeah. I guess one of, the, one of the final points I want to touch on here which is literally an opinion um, where do you stand on acknowledging failures along the way and I'm thinking of the I'm thinking of the government here in the UK at the minute because we've, we've had five, five conservative prime ministers we've been told each one's better than the last one who lost to the last one <laughs> No, you, it's a silly analogy but it's very current in, in our world at the minute yeah. And I think the British public are sick and tired of being told, oh, this is the next shiny new version, and they're going to fix everything, and this is the shiny new person. Now, in business, and every podcast I've listened to, and every book that I've read, this is kind of divided opinions, I think, in terms of whether you are transparent, honest, completely upfront with your team when something's not going as well as you wanted it to or whether it's your job to continue to steer the ship, do your best swan impression, as people used to say in the day, make it all look calm for your team,
1: despite everything essentially being on fire in the background. Yeah. What do you think? I'm a quite transparent person. So I was just trying to double check what the actual phrase is, but there's the fail fast, fail often, fail forward. Yeah. I don't know if I've missed any steps there. No, no, that's the one. but that's something I believe in, and, and you, you learn best by failing, and you're never going to get things, or not often going to get things 100% right the first time, and I don't think there's anything wrong with showing people that, hey, that idea didn't work, we still want to fix whatever it is we're trying to fix, or we still want to improve whatever we're trying to improve, mm-hmm. let's try again, let's do something else. Obviously, you don't want to be...
0: Now, I agree with you, so <laughs> we haven't spoke about this, but I, I fundamentally agree with that, however quick changes in direction and things not going according to plan with some of the younger generations But maybe that's maybe that's too narrow a statement to make where they don't cope well with changes in directions and the impact on mental health and anxiety because you've already set a path and now it's
1: changing already i guess it really depends how big a difference are we talking about here are, are we sort of saying hey, we've invested 10,000 in software, but we struggled with it three months in, so we're ditching it. Now we're going to try some completely different software. So all the three months you just spent learning that one's irrelevant because that's a fairly fundamental change of direction. doesn't it? And it can, but if that starts happening really often, that starts sounding like somebody's not doing the due diligence beforehand. I don't think there's anything wrong with failing, but uh, if somebody's consistently failing always without learning from it, I suppose that's what the key thing there is. If you're if you're repeatedly going down the same road yeah, and making yeah. a mistake, you've not learned from it, which kind of hopefully, defies the point hopefully of the you're impression. not
0: changing direction all the time, but I think in in business and in the real world beyond a textbook, things change fast, and whether that's team members, people, maybe that you've said this person's going to be. A great hire, you know. I'm, th- I'm not, not particularly yours. I'm thinking about other businesses. I this person's going to be great. They're going to run this, and then three months later, they just disappear into the shadows yeah. because it's not worked out or whatever it may be. But there's, for me, it comes back to the same point: communication. So in terms of how you actually explain that to your yeah. team or your stakeholders of why you thought something was going to go well and it hasn't, I'm with you. I'll always be as transpa- fully transparent because I, th- I think that's I think that's the way you should
1: be. I realise not everybody like will follow British politics. I'm sure you've got the headlines of the last few weeks <laughs> where we've changed Prime Minister a couple of times. Um, but there's nothing I found more frustrating than have like, Liz Truss tear up a, a financial policies and a budget and then um, blame the Chancellor and then just keep ranting on about economic growth and answering economic growth as the same answer to seven different questions. It's, it's I realise po- it's different in politics because... The danger of saying you're wrong in politics is probably that you're instantly ousted. Yep. So there is an element in politics of it, just people like to just deny it and try and, to, no, and, try and do this one impression.
0: I, I, I guess ultimately without it trying to descend into a political podcast, because there's a high risk of that with this topic being at the forefront of our minds at the minute, I think it's their lack of acknowledgement of that failure <laughs> that causes so much contempt amongst the British public linked to the blame culture that sits around it. Like mm. you've just said there, so in the sense of she offloaded onto her chance it was all his fault, despite her being sat there for every decision that was made. And I think it does tie back to that wider cultural point as well as you've got the right culture in your business. You should be able to transparently acknowledge yeah. without fear of um, punishment or, you
1: know. And certainly uh, in a business, I'd expect you to have, let's say, for example, you and I worked on, uh, or I worked with a team, whatever it is, on, on, a, on a plan. We try it. It doesn't work out. They might have led on it. So um, we've got one of our team members and they're leading on a, a new platform. We we tried to implement it. I support, I oversee every step of the way. It doesn't work for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't expect, well, I'd be incredibly unhappy if I was there and anybody else in the business, if I just sort of said, well, you led on that, that's your fault. Because I was in it every step of the way with mm-hmm. them. Therefore, I should be helping to stand up with them and say, look, we tried it. It didn't work for these reasons he here are the reasons why we set off on the wrong path or he, here are the reasons why it went down the wrong road in the end and here's how we make sure we don't do it again next time but not again, just a blank right, but that's
0: the right culture again isn't it because I, I, I'm thinking of things live in my head as you're speaking but in the sense of like wash-ups and debriefs in marketing agencies where you, where everybody turns up with the right idea that you want to try and improve what you've done honestly debate where we went wrong make sure we don't make the same mistakes again if if, if there were any made obviously but for that person that's worked tirelessly on that project for three or four months, the, the emotions are probably running a bit high and then mm. you know, it's start unpicking everything that went wrong on that one. I can see why people do react the way they do sometimes to change management if it's not communicated in the right way. And I do, I do think maybe that maybe the point to final is that consistency of that communication that we've looped in all the way through the podcast here because I think with that, without that consistency, you can say something in the beginning, probably don't have time to say it at the end and you're running a bit
1: a bit too pacey through the process aren't you really yeah and then it'll just end up with uh ultimately failing because i suppose it all ties back down to uh, jumping off on another tangent behavioral change i mean Great. think about how many like anti-smoking efforts there have been and obviously I, i'm assuming they're working to a degree because i feel like i see less smokers these days but it's been what 70 odd years of trying to push away from smoking there's a huge i know there's a dick an addiction element there that's a bit different but it still requires a huge behavioral change i think a big part of Quoting something like that Is habit But we're habitual creatures And everything we do Is habit So whether it's You're scrolling You're on your Instagram or TikToks Mm -hmm. Or whatever it is These days I had a conversation About that this morning We've got all these habits That we need to change uh, And that's Again that's a huge reason Why change management Is difficult 100%
0: well, the one constant is change. Maybe we finish with that one this week. <laughs> um, I'm sure it's a, a topic that we'll keep, continue to revisit. But I hope that gives you a little flavour of some of the things that run through our mind and our business structure, and what we see with clients in relation to um, change management, particularly when everything around us in the world at the minute does seem to be uh, evolving at an extremely rapid pace. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed the episode, and we'll see you next time on the B2B impact <laughs>